Super Talk Mississippi media production. In Mississippi, with our ever-changing weather, termites and household pests can disrupt your family life and take a toll on your home. Call Family Termite and let us help protect your home. 601-933-1014. Or reach us at www.family-termite.com. What's up on a Wednesday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator is Michael Borky. This is once again the intro-less podcast. We've got to work on that. Uh, uh, last time we tried to get an intro, it took like four months. And so uh, I promise you guys by July we'll have an intro again. So be looking forward to that on the horizon. Uh, Pack show today, we've got some uh, – there was a hoops game last night, but of course – uh, the thing everyone wants to get into is who will be the next volleyball coach here. So we will get into that some. Uh, what's up, man? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, your first volleyball coach hot board. Uh, I that'll know. be coming out later today. I know you've worked really hard on it. You're really dialed into the uh, uh, college women's volleyball scene. So uh, looking yeah. forward to that. I'll have a verbal hot board on this podcast, a list of candidates I thought. Um, no, we'll get, we'll get into the uh, – the football coaching search, it's one of those things where it's like a, like you mentioned yesterday on radio, it's like the content everyone wants to have, but like the amount of uh, the supply of actual news and nuggets versus the demand of information people want, I think is incredibly skewed. Like, I, I don't think there's very much to be had, you know, 36 to 48 hours into a coaching search, whereas people want this to get done. And I don't think it, I'm not necessarily blaming on this, but I don't think it necessarily helps. Like you, it, you've got two interesting ways of like covering it to where like newspaper guys and more traditional guys like are having to like get something completely like double source um, before they can run with it and print it because it's a little different media. Outlet, whereas the guys on the uh, fan sites like Neil and the Spirit and uh, Rebel Grove as well can kind of I guess update more easily and fluidly just because of the model of I, I guess kind of the model of their yeah media they outlet. can post hey here's what I'm hearing but reminder it's not sourced and nobody gets mad if it's incorrect because it's a fluid situation like poor Nick Suss is having to cover a coaching search and as you mentioned like if it's not on the record which nothing at all is on the record right now that's why they use search firms um it's got to be a frustrating job because we can speculate too. Like on the radio, I, I mean, uh, even after you left to go cover the the basketball game, we just sat there and kind of just took questions and, and speculated on questions for a half hour because we can do that. We don't have like a journalistic standard of we can't mention somebody unless it's double sourced and confirmed on record. So I, I feel bad for newspaper guys and stuff like this because they can't do that. Yeah, ex- absolutely. Like, neither one of them, I'm not saying either one of them is, like, right, wrong, or whatever. Like, Neil and both the, and all the spirit, and Chase and all the spirit guys as well, like, they've been here a long time. They know a lot of people. Like, and that, that, that's kind of what those, the people that subscribe to their site pay them for is to kind of keep up with kind of everything they're hearing and stuff like that. So it's just different ways of covering it. But, like, from our perspective, to your point, we can kind of speculate on some stuff on the, uh, on the radio show, stuff like that. But as far as like concrete information actually being reported, there's just really not a whole lot at this point because, you know, you're 36, 48 hours of coaching service. That said, I do anticipate in the next, I mean, I'd say starting today towards Friday, I think there will be some serious, uh, some serious ground or some serious, I guess, momentum going forward, even though most of the candidates, I think Ole Miss is, are, are zeroing in on, not all, but I think there's at least... Hmm. three that off the top of my head I can think of that are playing this weekend. So that kind of holds things up because from what I understand, that basically all three of those guys, or I, I know at least two of them, are pretty much just not um, really wanting to engage like officially or talk with any other school until those games have ended this weekend, that being conference championship weekend. Um, yeah, and I guess at least Kiffin, three, probably four. Yeah, because you right. have Napier and Eli Drinkwitz playing against each other. You have Mike Norvell, and then also, I don't know if you call it a wild card or not. It's it's not a name that uh, I have seen out there all that much. But Brian Harson is at least going to have the the tires kicked on him, and he's playing in the play? conference. Hawaii okay. at home in the uh, Mountain West Conference Championship. Okay, I actually didn't know Boise State was playing this weekend. I uh, I, I guess I didn't know Bo- uh, the Mountain West had a conference championship game. 
But yeah, that kind of throws a wrench in it. So I think anyone expecting to have a hire made by the end of this week, I think that's a, I, I would say there's almost a zero percent chance of that happening. I think this goes into. I mean, I think add quickest Sunday, but like if this rolled into Monday, Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday of next week, um, kind of without anything actually being set in stone, that wouldn't necessarily shock me. Um, if there's not, I think they're going to run into some problems if there's not anything done by like say next Friday, which I don't anticipate that being the case. But what you're talking about today, today's December, say December 4th. It's the 4th. Yeah. Yeah. So Friday is the, let's see, Thursday's the 5th, Friday's Friday's the 6th. Yeah. So that, if if that, the date I'm talking about would be December 13th, that's the early signing period is December 18th. If he ain't got any, I mean, it's going to be tough either way, but if you don't have anyone just at least in place to point to like, Hey, that's our guy by then you're going to have some serious issues. Um, yeah, but, but I had a conversation this morning just with, with a buddy, and he asked, you know, when should we expect Ole Miss to name a guy? And I said, look, I have no idea because they're not this far down the road, but if I had to put money on it, I'd say it would be done by Wednesday of next week. Yeah, I would uh, – I, yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. I would actually consider that of the later end, too. Like, I think Monday or Tuesday something probably pops again. I'm just completely speculating and guessing. There's going to be so much movement after the conference championship games. Like – you will know if Mike Norvell is going to Florida State by Sunday night. Yeah, and on that note, I guess that's an interesting thing to dive off into. I, uh, I Florida State is almost old. Like, I don't want to say they're all missing the search because that's not the right analogy, but in terms of just like random stuff being leaked and it seeming completely chaotic and nobody actually knowing what they're going to do, what is going on down there? Doesn't it go to show, I mean, we talk about this sometimes, right, that the landscape in college football has changed a little bit. I mean, Florida State obviously is an objectively better job than Ole Miss. Like, there's no way to spin it. Ole Miss has no advantages over Florida State, maybe except for the current makeup of the roster. But Florida State's a better job. But this idea that a school like a Florida State can just hire whoever the hell they want to is I mean, that keeps getting proven false, right? Tennessee failed to do that. Southern Cal failed to do that when they were open. I mean, Ohio State even promoted from within to get Ryan Day, and obviously that worked out very well. But Florida State has struck out, I mean, missed on their first three at least guys. So these big-time jobs that come open that people say that everybody's going to want, and they're still very, very, very good jobs. But the, oh, a Florida State can just go get whoever the hell they want to, not true. Bob Stoops is coaching in the XFL over Florida State. That's a real thing that's happening. Mark Stoops is staying at Kentucky instead of going to Florida State. Maybe they'll revisit that, but it sounds like that bridge has been burned. Yeah, my thing with those those types of jobs are is the ones that can actually go get anyone they want would be Florida State, but it'd be at like it have to like it, it's a program like Florida State, but it's at a different time. Like if your program's perceived as a mess, it doesn't really matter if you're Michigan, Ohio State. You know, the New England Patriots, whatever. If you're perceived as kind of a chaotic mess, it's going to steer away the stop the, I guess, the elitist of the elite candidates. And so, like, say Jimbo Fisher, like after his net, like after that national championship with Jameis, was just like, actually, to hell with this. I've got a ton of money. I don't feel like coach anymore. I'm gonna go live on some uh, Caribbean island, and no one's ever gonna hear from me again. And I'm gonna be rich. Like that would be one of those things where every single person in the country, like you know aside from Bill Belichick, would be at least gauging the interest in the in the Florida State job. But they've had a chaotic couple years. They've had a couple really bad years. Uh, Jimbo kind of left a mess on their hands that they haven't really done a good job of cleaning up. And so I think it's more of a mess that they want to let on. And if you don't really – if you're not seen as stable or kind of if, – if there's any kind of, I guess, housekeeping work to do with regards to just kind of cleaning up, you know, culture, roster, whatever, at a job like that, like it's going to kind of – uh, dilute your candidate pool a little bit, no matter who you are. Yeah, and look, they'll, they'll probably – I mean, if I had to guess, I think they would end up with Norvell before Ole Miss. I mean, that's it's pretty fair, and, and I don't think that's any kind of strong uh, take one way or the other. It just uh, – they probably are better equipped to offer more money, and it's it's in the state of Florida. You have a better chance at winning a conference and a national championship. But there is a proximity thing with him – the point is, they're at their fourth option, fourth or fifth option. And that, that's fascinating to me, because even if Mike Norvell does take that job and says no, I think Ole Miss 
should be set up to still make a very good hire after him. And people are, I, I had friends, I don't, I don't want to say meltdown, but kind of freak out last night after uh, the Will Healy thing started gaining ground. And I think most of that started because of a, a guy that works for Barstool. Yeah, Jack McGuire is his name. Uh, he said that, Scoop, Will Healy has turned down the Missouri job and will interview with Ole Miss soon, if not already. If all goes well, he will be the head coach of the Rebels very soon. And that's just simply not how it works. And there's no possible way that Ole Miss will interview and hire Will Healy before the conference championship games happen this weekend and they get an answer from Mike Norvell. And this is the kind of stuff that comes out during coaching searches. I mean, as you know, we talked about yesterday, and you said at the top, people just they want content and they want information, but then the content and information is just so so wrong that it causes more damage than anything else. And this kind of thing, I mean, look, maybe Ole Miss did interview him, but if it went well, he's still not getting the job this week. That's just not happening. And so now people are freaking out and trying to talk themselves into Will Healy or getting upset again because Ole Miss did make a big splash hire and there's a lot of questions about him. And it all started by what is definitely an incorrect report from a guy that works at Barstool. Yeah, and what's interesting about that is, one, like I was saying, I guess, before we started recording, it's like, well, you can't trust stuff like that. Like, in actual stuff like this, not trying to pull, like, the Big J journalism card here and, like, but like you can't like like ninety nine times out of a hundred dudes who work at Barstool or some kind of blog or like if it's something you don't recognize off the top of your head and he doesn't seem like an actual like reporter, odds are that guy doesn't actually know anything because the people around the program and the people that are kind of kind of boots on the ground in the in the town, state, whatever, who actually work in like the uh I guess more I hate the term traditional media at this point just because I don't really think that it, it I guess it exists anymore, but I, I think there's it's it's broader than people want to let on, but like actual people that cover teams and stuff like that, like whether it be radio, you know, print reporting, all of that. Like outside of that, you can't really like. You got to take everything else as just kind of. I, I just see all the rest of it as crap. You know, maybe occasionally some you know guy that's part time blog guy or someone with just a Twitter account actually kind of stumbles into some halfway decent information. But like to take any of that stuff seriously, I think is probably unwise but backing up I, the one that's saying on the Florida State that you mentioned them being on their fourth or fifth candidate I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you but are they really because to me it seems we're just like yeah. chaotic mess like is, is, like really the Deion Sanders the Deion Sanders thing was obviously a complete total joke that was never happening I don't think Bob Stoops is ever happening not just because he doesn't think Florida State's a good enough job. I don't think that guy wants the stress of coaching in college football again. Because in the XFL, he could just kind of kick his legs back, kind of, uh, I mean, for the lack of a better word, screw around a yeah. little bit. And it There's not be zero pressure in the XFL. I mean, none but, at all. But to, to your point, like, are they really on their fourth and fifth candidate? And if they are, I don't understand the infatuation with a Mike Norvell over, which I mentioned on the radio show yesterday. I had someone up around Kentucky tell me that would definitely know for a fact that Stoops interviewed with them, and they kind of put him, uh, didn't say no, but kind of put him on the back burner. Look, I don't know what Florida State is looking for, but would you take Mike Stoops or Mike Norvell? Oh, or Mark it, Stoops, it, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, Mark Stoops in a heartbeat. Yeah. 100, 100 times 100. out of 100 ahead of yeah. Mike Norvell. Yeah, 101 times out of 100. He won seven games with a wide receiver playing quarterback. And he's a he's a like I understand people view Kentucky differently, but he's a he's a sitting SEC head coach. Like I, I don't understand. I guess I don't understand uh, the value system there. Like what what is uh like what why that why like what exactly they're valuing at a candidate over something else? Because yeah. and he also doesn't have baggage. And I mean, we have no idea what the baggage is around Norville, but I mean, there's something there. There's got to be right like. It's not a thing that people always allude to without it actually being a thing, right? Yeah, I actually found some of that out the other day. I'm probably not going to. Uh, uh, yeah, and we can't I'll go let you down that road. Recording, but I'm not, not going to. Yeah, and that's okay. And I have a few people will completely understand that that you can't go down that road. But there is something there that that has hung people up on him. They did it two years ago with multiple SEC jobs that went different directions, even though. Uh, they kick the tires on him. There's something there. And Stoops, as you and I both 
agreed on. I would take Stoops first. So you have a football coach who's winning games at a place that doesn't win games. He showed that he can adapt his offense to his personnel. And again, he won seven games with a wide receiver playing quarterback and a sitting SEC head coach without any question marks. And he's familiar with Florida State. He's been a coach there. The fact that he is not priority one for them, priority one, two, and three, like do anything to make it happen, boggles my mind. Yeah, I know. And then jumping back forward to what you're talking about with the Will Healy thing, uh, one, obviously, I, I don't buy into that. Actually, I'm not saying I don't buy into the floor. I know for a fact that that is 100% false. But at the same time, I don't, uh, I don't know. Like you mentioned some people you know being upset. I, uh, I don't necessarily know what people want because if you're talking about a dude that'll win a press conference, uh, like that, that guy seems to be like PJ Fleck on steroids. Like I don't pretend to know a ton about Will Healy, like in terms of just like who he is or whatever, but I do know his coaching background and I've watched some of his actual press conferences and uh, that guy's got a lot of energy. And Well, it would be like Hugh Freeze, right? You remember back in uh, when they made that hire most of the reaction was, who the hell is Hugh Freeze? I mean, people, uh, Kirby Smart was in the mix there. There was a lot of bigger names that people were looking for, and they hired this guy from Arkansas State that nobody knows, and it was like, eh, that kind of sucks. That's a sign of how bad our job is because we had to take a flyer on this dude that nobody knows, and then he goes to the Ford Center and does the family speech, and everybody bought in. Will Healy would kind of do the same thing, wouldn't he? I mean, he's, he's a guy that nobody really knows about, even though uh, college football media and, and college football coaches think that he is the next P.J. Fleck, and he did take Charlotte to their first bowl game ever, and he rebuilt Austin P., who just won a playoff game uh, last weekend. It, it, so he's very similar to Hugh Freeze, only in that he is an unknown guy with a small resume that people think would be a very good coach, and the day he's hired, when he talks to the fans in the press conference, he will sell himself like nobody else could. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with all of that, and uh, I, I'm not old enough to uh, remember what the actual deal was with Hugh, like uh, the, as far as the other candidates, Hugh Freeze, because I was at uh, 17 and about to start my senior year of high school, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, but. If you look, just mentioning what you mentioned, looking back now, I have no idea what the case was. But like, say Ole Miss could have hired Kirby Smart. Holy cow! What talk about all time? What if? I know, right? Um, he's still not a great in-game coach. I mean, he can recruit like hell, obviously, but there's something. It's like when you know they're in a big game in the fourth quarter, they're going to lose. Yeah, I, I, and we, we can get into this later because I do want to get into some SEC title stuff. But like, uh, like. Can that be rectified Saturday? Like that seems like a yeah. good chance. And like say it, say what you want. Saban's not standing on the other sideline. But I anyway, like I, I agree with the Will Healy thing. I think that would work out. I, I do wonder though. I had a couple of thoughts last night on so the Lane Kiffin thing. I know had been reported a little bit to kind of be not gaining momentum, but I, I do think it, Kiffin has interest in the Ole Miss job. I think he had. Uh, I would say perused Arkansas. Uh, earlier and a little more um but just all, all that aside like all that like what like whatever aside i think he has interest in it sec west job i think he take it um you always talk about the haves and have nots in college football or maybe just the, the i think protected class yeah for people that are skeptical of old miss winning big if you hire lane kiffin and he ends up winning big here no one's questioning it right because he's lane kiffin like that would to well, me that would in be recruiting. one of the biggest draw to biggest draws of hiring lane kiffin is one th there were a 90 million reasons people wanted he to see hugh freeze go down and 90 million reasons people didn't like hugh freeze i'm not going to be dumb enough to pretend that it was just because he was at old miss that's stupid but like say he kind of builds it up like hugh freeze did again and they end up with the you know perennial team that contends for the West for a couple of years. Like to me, it for a college football school that's kind of a runt of the SEC. No one's questioning that because he's Lane Kiffin, because he's coached for the Raiders, because he's coached Tennessee, USC, and worked under Nick Saban. Like to me, that's one of the biggest draws, and he's going to sell the shit out of some tickets. Yeah, and uh, like the difference between he and Will Haley, if in this recruiting class. I have not followed Mississippi recruiting at all this year. Uh, to tell you the truth, I don't like it. I think covering recruiting is uh, something that requires a, a it special is horrible. 
it sounds just god awful. So I don't. It, but uh, is there a five star in Mississippi, or at least a high level four star that everybody wants? I imagine so, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, sure. there's a few. So if if Will Healy steps in, and then signs a four star, a high level four star that Alabama wanted, or signs a five star, you know what immediately happens? Questions. How did a guy that nobody knows get a five-star to go to Ole Miss? Just like what happened with you, Freeze. If Lane Kiffin steps in, he could get any player he wanted, and nobody would question it. You'd have idiots on Twitter that would, but I'm talking nationally. You wouldn't get the reaction that you got on signing day 2013 from Lane Kiffin. Yeah, to me, that'd be one. Of, not that any of that stuff actually matters, because if Hugh Freeze had cheated as dumbly as he had done, like they were doing nothing that no one else was doing around the SEC. And if he hadn't been so just blatantly and almost just like inexplicably stupid about it, it wouldn't have ended up mattering. But I do think there is some value in, I guess, the kind of scrutiny level in it all. Um, it wouldn't but, get any. No, exactly. So I think that would make. Um, Things easier from a perception standpoint, but really, like, I think that was kind of my first point in all of this. But then, kind of, the more I thought about it last night, is like, it's like, I think there is some value in that, but at the same time, does that actually really help anyone out except for just angry fans yelling at each other? I mean, I guess national media who loves to like pearl clutch whenever they get a chance would be less inclined to do so with that. Well, wasn't there an element of other schools? I mean, and I guess it really came down to how Ole Miss had a waiver for a guy to be on the road who wasn't a position coach but I mean wouldn't it get other schools off your back because if if, Ole Miss was reported to the NCAA by multiple schools in the SEC yeah no no it would it would it would see this more uh, legitimate palatable more legitimate more like feasible to understand amongst others which Probably one of my biggest inherited eye rolls at college football is just like, like the the subjectiveness of who could get what recruits and the just complete imbalance in coaching yeah. staff. And then they and say things like, "This that. guy does it the right way." Dabo Sweeney. I'm completely out on Dabo, by the way. I have done a 180. I can't stand that guy now. He ranted again about how nobody respects Clemson or the ACC or Trevor Lawrence. It's un. It's so stupid. Hey, like this victim card that he's playing. So I'm completely out on him, but. You'll have people say that, oh, he he's building Clemson and he did it the right way. Come on. That, that And I can't decide if they actually believe that or not. I think he's sending a message to his team. It's nauseating to listen, but I think his team has adopted that mindset and he's doing every – does he have to do it publicly? Probably not. But I think he's just doing – I think most of that he's doing that is just to kind of kind of keep this team on this sharp – I, I guess uh, on this sharp chip-on-the-shoulder mindset as if a two-time national champion could ever have a chip on its shoulder. But, like, they've got – like, that schedule they've went through this year, to me, them going the second half of the year and just destroying everyone by 40-plus points is – one of the more impressive accomplishments this year, because you know how bored you'd have to be to have a national title ring on your finger and showing up to play NC State and Florida State, and I don't know Boston College three straight weeks or whoever the hell it is they They've play. They got Virginia like, in the conference championship game, and they're a four touchdown favorite. <laughs> yeah, I'd like if you're if you're playing Wake. I mean, if you're playing. I can't even think of an example. Miami in you know late October after three play, straight thirty point wins, I wouldn't even want to put my shoulder pads on. So Wake Forest was their toughest game, and they won by fifty. I'm also convinced on the other end of that is uh, you mentioned the right way thing. Is there anyone actually out there that says they do it the right way other than Michigan? Because it seems like there's been a little shift in the last little bit to where pe- like people have kind of retired the, the we don't cheat thing, except for Michigan. Or, am I missing another group, a faction well, of? They, they, I interact with Clemson people, and they still do oh, that God. kind of stuff. They say things oh, like, we're not in the dirty SEC, because in the SEC, that's the only place where that goes on. So, yeah, I mean, and you get that with everybody, though. I mean, uh, when Ole Miss signed Lakia Henry, Arkansas fans, I mean, there was a – Arkansas reporters had to check to make sure that Matt Luke himself did not get in the car to deliver cash to Lakia Henry's mother. Like, that was something that they checked on. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just the, to me that the, when people say the that like when fans or whatever say the dirty SEC, I think it's almost just like like it's to jealousy. me when I hear that is just is just thinking about uh like to me that what they're really saying is that league's more competitive than any other conference in America. So yes, there's more competition to get players and that means whatever like if you want to call that dirty or that's fine. But that's to me that's literally just saying the SEC cares more than every other league, which I, I almost I kind of buy into that that theory. It's true, man. I mean, Ole Miss, and say what you want, Ole Miss's history does not include uh, winning, uh, at least in modern history, um, is about to spend over $10 million to fire their coach that the team really seemed to like. And even though it's it's more subjective, the national narrative is that the team was getting better and Ole Miss fired that coach and are paying – 10 million plus dollars to buy him out and are talking to coaches right now. And maybe to get Mike Norvell, they'll have to get up into $4 million a year. Like you don't see Illinois doing that, who has a similar level of success in the big 10 that Ole Miss does in the sec. Like you're not seeing that other places. So the, it just means more things kind of, you know, people roll their eyes at it, but it's, it's absolutely true. The Kiffin thing's interesting to me though, versus like, will Healy, or Billy Napier or something like that, because I think that it eventually just kind of crystallizes the, uh, not, it's not an internal struggle. It's not a battle, but the kind of decision Ole Miss is going to have to make or what end of the spectrum they're going to fall on, because they've got to hire a guy that's going to be one good and win games first and foremost, but they've also got to hire a guy that's going to make a splash and where on the spectrum is the coach that they land on fall fall. Because if you want to make it a left and right thing, if splash is left, and winning games is right. I would say a Billy Napier, Willie Fritz type is far right, and Lane Kiffin is far left. Not that Lane Kiffin couldn't win games, but like he would seem to be splashiest of the splash. Uh, I think I just admitted a word there, but like, like where where do you fall on where does where does the guy that they land on fall in on that spectrum? Because like to me, the splash thing is a little bit more of a gamble with Kiffin with the off the field stuff, whatever. Like, you know, could he behave in Oxford? All that kind of stuff. Whatever. You get what I'm saying. Like, could he could definitely win games too, but all of that seems to be more of a gamble to where I think Napier, Fritz, I guess you could throw Healy into this category too, though he hasn't been a head coach for very long and he's 34 years old, which is uh, like nine years older than I am, which is kind of wild. Um, but, like, to me, like, less splash. But that, that to me, seems more safer that this guy's probably going to work and build you a solid program at some point. I don't know how many games he's going to win. I don't know what the ceiling. But, to me, Napier, uh, Fritz in particular, and I guess Drinkwitz is in that category, too, is kind of all, like, how much do they move the needle? But I think those are kind of safe bets, too. Those guys will probably succeed. Yeah, Brian Harson as well. Yeah, too. He's kind of the wild card in this, though, just because he spent his pretty much his entire career on uh, out west. But like, where on that spectrum are they going to end up falling here? Because I would think Lane, I, I'd like say what you want. If they hire Kiffin, I think it would be a gamble, but I think it would be a fascinating one that could potentially work on all three fronts and hit, kind of hit a grand slam. Whereas you could go a safer route that doesn't make a big of a splash. Where exactly are they going to fall at that? Because if you hire Kiffin, as we say that, I'm looking at Twitter right now. I have a couple of different screens put up, and I just got followed by account that says "Bring Lane to Ole Miss." <laughs> um, so it's already going literally as we speak but point being if you hire lane kiffin and it flops you're probably not catching any flack are you i mean it's justifiable it was a big kind of like kind of goes back to my theory there's a difference between a uh a bad hire and just a miss like joe moorhead if he doesn't work out was a miss but it was a justifiable hire handled in a clean and concise manner kiffin's a gamble but could would anyone really fault them even if it flopped not at all. I don't think so. You probably have some kind of self-righteous columnist talk about, you know, Hugh Freeze, how do you hire a coach like Lane Kiffin after you let Hugh Freeze go? But they would – that would be a stretch, obviously. And, and maybe that wouldn't happen. But if you're Keith Carter, I think the, the reservation for him is probably justified, right? Because you did see – I mean, he was there when Hugh Freeze and his Twitter and his off-the-field stuff and, and his – uh, self-righteousness and, I mean, downright almost double life uh, wrecked that program. I mean, Keith Carter got to watch all of that happen. 
And he's is he going to sit down with his one shot at getting this right? Because he will be tied to this coach now. Keith Carter will be viewed exclusively through the lens of how this football hire turns out. And so is he going to, after watching Hugh Freeze destroy the program and embarrass Ole Miss on a national level multiple times, and not just because of NCAA stuff. That's not embarrassing. The other stuff is. Is he going to take that kind of a risk? He's got to figure that out himself because I think Lane Kiffin's most interesting because who he appeals to the most. You had people that went to every single Ole Miss home game this year. Uh, That is a fan base that even if they don't like Lane Kiffin, and I talked to somebody last night whose dad would be furious if they hired Lane Kiffin because he wants somebody that uh, coaches with respect and honor or some BS like that. (laughs) I know, right? But you you get that with the older crowd. But that older crowd is always – going to go to Ole Miss games. They are in forever. They're in with Matt Luke. They're in with Lane Kiffin. They're in with Buddy Stevens. They're in with me if they hired me as head coach. Those guys will always be there. What Lane Kiffin will do will engage your younger crowd. And what you've seen nationally in trends is I'm actually I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to attendance and television ratings. It's just kind of my niche. The younger audience is what is not going to games anymore. Is what not is what is not watching games on television anymore. It's yeah, the look at the student sections now. at games. Exactly. So Lane Kiffin would engage that younger audience because you're always the the blue hairs or the white hairs, whatever you call them. The the older folks are always going to go. They're always going to give their money. They're always going to give their time. That's what they do. But the younger crowd, I'm in a group text of guys that live all over the country. Every single one of them said, I have not been to a game in two years, but if Ole Miss hires Lane Kiffin, I'm at the first home game. He is a guy that would bring that young crowd in. And I mean, if you want to recover financially, while also probably winning games, because he's a good football coach. We had listeners yesterday say that they were really concerned about his time at Tennessee and his time at Southern Cal. But if you really look at them in a vacuum, the team, the Tennessee team he took over went five and seven the year before. He went He's seven and five. For a year. And, and he took him to a bowl game in year one, improved by two wins. If Ole Miss improves by two wins next year, people are ecstatic. I mean, thrilled beyond measure. And then he went to Southern Cal and had crippling sanctions, worse than what Ole Miss was dealing with. And he still won 10 games in his second year. And look at what Southern Cal's been since he left. Not good. So, and then he learns, he, he kind of resets his life, resets his career under Nick Saban, wins a national championship, goes to Florida Atlantic, and is winning there at a level that they've never won before. The guy can coach football. There is a risk. Maybe there's a floor. Maybe people are worried about him getting in trouble in Oxford. But I, I honestly could not care less what a single man does in his free time. As long as he's coaching and doing his coach responsibilities, if he wants to go out, and hang out with single women as a single guy, go for it. Who cares? Why does that bother you? It shouldn't. And it doesn't bother the young people that will come back, which is what Ole Miss needs so desperately. They need their student section to be full. Lane Kiffin fills up the student section. They need the people under 40 who don't have the expendable income that don't come to games anymore to come back to games. And also he will win, I think. I think if you look at what he did with the Raiders, what is it, 15 years ago? That's disingenuous. Look at what he did. You can even look at Tennessee if you want to, but look at how he got Nick Saban to change his identity. Won a championship with not good quarterbacks, by the way. I know it's Alabama, but still. And then now he's winning at Florida Atlantic at a level that they've never won before. He's playing for a conference championship this weekend. Again, right? Again. I think he checks all of the boxes. It is a risk, and Keith Carter's going to have to sit down and and interview him at some point. But I think it would be a mistake if he doesn't try. If he doesn't get in a room with Lane Kiffin, it would have to be some secret place and feel out what kind of person he would be if he came to Ole Miss. I think that would be a mistake if he didn't at least give it a shot. If he didn't at least call him, talk to him, sit down in front of him, give him an interview, and see if you would be comfortable making that hire. Because if you are, fans will buy in, Season tickets would sell like crazy, and I think you would probably win football games. 
I agree. Well said. I have a couple of thoughts on response to that. First, we got to take a quick break. Podcast brought to you by LB's Meat Market, University Avenue, across from Kroger. We appreciate Greg sponsoring the show. Uh, Greg came in hot with the gambling locks yesterday. He uh, he texted me on Sunday, and the kind of craziness happened right after that. And I didn't respond to him two days later, but his two biggest plays were Bengals money line and Steelers over the uh, the Browns. So uh, Greg knows what he's talking about. So go in, you uh, LBs, uh, go in there, demand a slab of meat and a couple gambling picks, and don't leave without both. But University Avenue across from uh, Kroger. Best place in Oxford, Mississippi to get meat. Best place in the state to get meat. They've got steaks, custom cuts, seafood. You know who knows about seafood? Lane Kiffin. He's got a boat. Looks like a pretty nice one down there. Um, <laughs> but sausages, um, you know, all kinds of jalapeno fibers. He's got plate lunches. You can go grab lunch and then decide what you want for dinner. But it's grilling season. Weather's getting colder. Go see Greg, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Um, anyway, what you said I agree with uh, pretty much everything you said there. And then, like, the Lane thing is interesting to me because, like, I, like I, I think he, like comparing him to Hugh Freeze is not necessarily fair just because they both, I'm going to drastically generalize it here and seem like have a wild side. Like, as long as Lane Kevin is not dropping, like, blessings to you in the interviews or whatever, I, I think it'll probably go better. I don't think he's anywhere near the same type of person as Hugh Freeze. But I agree. I think it'll engage the younger crowd. I uh, I don't have I don't want to say something that's inaccurate here, but to your point about the younger crowd, I don't have like numbers to back this up. But it feels like the older crowd you're talking about is kind of what how Ole Miss ended up with Matt Luke, and the people that bought into Matt Luke seem to be older. To whereas the younger crowd seemed to roll their eyes from day one. I mean that seems to me to be accurate. I again I don't have any I'm not that kind of marketing major. I don't have anything to back that up. But that seems to me to generally what was kind of the case when that hire happened. Yeah. It, it, based on my observation, it's the same way. I mean, that I, I still cannot believe, and it, it's really not fair to Matt, but it's just the truth. I cannot believe that the chancellor of the university thought that that would keep him his job by forcing that. I, I mean, talk about not having a pulse on your alumni base and your fan base thinking that doing that would keep you your job. I think, I think it was just one of those things though, where he thought the people he was, uh, he was appeasing would help him keep his job. Like, I, I think it was almost he was universally hated right outside hands. of the borders of Lafayette County. Oh no. Yeah, no, no. I I'm with you on that, but I think his thinking, which I'm not saying it was smart thinking, but his, I think his thinking was that it would save him. I guess based on whoever I don't, and again, I don't know exactly who those people were, and I'm not going to pretend to. But you can kind of get an idea of the demographic and generally who I think it was probably kind of the. I, I think he thought those people would kind of end up saving him, and that maybe it'd end up working out. Not to mention, he doesn't know anything about sports. Like, like to me, I don't like. What, what to, uh, and I'm just guessing here. I don't think he thought about that in, in any perspective from. What's this guy going to be doing in year three on the field? To me, I bet that did not cross his mind. Because that's a Ross Bjork problem, and that's probably what he was like. Yeah, that's Ross's problem. Man, I, I'm just... Uh, but I guess the, the long point is, now all we do is wait, right? Because if anything else... I mean, we'll talk about this, and we'll talk about this Friday. Uh, when you put out the mailbag questions, I imagine that 90% of them will be coaching search-related, and then the other 10 will be people just trying to be funny. I mean, that's all people care about, but I mean, w what kind of information can we get between now and, say, Sunday morning? I guess in a short way to answer it, more information than now and last like two days ago when they're sat holding the press conference, I think more momentum will be generated. As far as, like, concrete stuff, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think anything will become, again, concrete until after these conference championship games, barring them going in, mm, I guess, one, one or two directions. Yeah, I, I, at least off the top of my head. Um, I, I don't think you'll be able to see anything concrete until the end, and I think the rest of it is just not speculation not not untrue but i i don't think i don't think anything between I'm trying to think what i'm saying here 
I guess you could you could probably I think you'll kind of get a more clear direction of who they're going to zero in on and where the search is going by say Friday. But as far as kind of getting an inkling of who exactly it is, I don't think that ha- is happening till Saturday night or Sunday at the earliest. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Interesting times. I uh, I love this. It, I don't know about you. I, I this is my favorite content. I don't know why. It's just because there's so many angles, there's so many options, and people have so many opinions, man. I, I don't know. It's just, it's actually interesting. Far more interesting than talking about a 4-8 football team and an offense that doesn't exactly work. Yeah, I agree. As far as covering it, I, the, trying to get accurate information um, at 24 years old on a beat entrenched with guys that have been here for a decade is incredibly frustrating and difficult. But as far as just like speculating and talking about what ifs and potentials and stuff like that, it, it is I do find that part of it uh, fascinating. So I don't know. I I, I mean it. It, it reminds me you, how many friends I have because uh, I hear from people that I haven't heard from in months because they want to know who will Mrs. Next Coach will be. Uh, I got the same thing. I <laughs> my phone like, is all right, asshole. Like, yeah, why don't you just say hey? Like, how's your kid? Something like that. No, it's just hey, who's the next coach going to be? Look, I haven't uh, talked to you in months. You can uh, you can get lost. Yeah, my birthday's in March, but like the next couple I get on that is I'm just gonna say, hey, by the way, my birthday was last week. Um, <laughs> just I see where that goes. But uh, yeah, I mean it's an interesting. I mean they call it what do they call, they call it silly season, I guess for a reason. But yeah, I mean it's a, it'll be interesting to follow if you're an old Miss fan that's um, that's I guess I. Uh, Worried with how this is going to turn out, I can tell you with pretty much absolute certainty, it is. This is not ending down the hallway. Um, I guess that's something we, we haven't talked about. We haven't talked. We haven't recorded since the press conference. I guess we kind of jumped the gun a little bit on that. I thought Keith. I know we talked about it in the radio show, so it's kind of hard to like remember what was and wasn't discussed. I thought Keith handled that really well. Um, I, I what what brought me to this was I Ben Garrett was kind of giving me a little bit of crap for asking if Mike McIntyre and Rich Rodriguez were candidates. And then after he kind of listened to the answer, we were sitting in the basketball waiting on uh, Kermit. And he was like, actually, I'm kind of glad you asked that. I was like, well, I mean, I knew the answer, but at a school where the last three searches have ended basically sorted down the hall, don't you at least have to get them on record saying no or saying something about it? So I can probably tell you with absolute certainty it's not down the hallway, but getting to the presser as a whole, I thought Keith handled it really well. I thought he kind of not so subtly cut through the crap as far as like, hey, this is there's not going to be a committee to refer someone to a committee to refer someone to a committee to end up with Glenn Boyce type of deal. Just going to be him. I do think he'll have input because I don't think he raised $9 million to fire a coach without at least expecting some outside input to some degree. But I think Keith kind of spearheading this thing mostly himself will, will, will net a much cleaner and more concise process. I thought he handled Monday very well, including a uh, – including a – Particularly silly question. Yeah, I, I I respect him for keeping a straight face when he was asked if... Uh, well, he wasn't really asked. He was told that um, the asker of the question was the only person that played football at Ole Miss in the room, which that means absolutely nothing. And the next two hires after his coach was fired midseason did not have Mississippi ties, and they failed. I guess implying that you have to have Mississippi ties to be successful um, and then ask if it's important. And I can't believe Keith did not smile or laugh or smirk. And he gave a diplomatic hell no. <laughs> Pretty much. That's a, that's a good way to put it. I'm not going to make a, I'm not going to make fun of the asker of the question more so than I uh, kind of already poke fun with Richard sometimes, but I, I, I got a, I got a kick out of it. Um, but I do think it kind of highlights the, uh, the older crowd as far as the way they think the older Ole Miss crowd versus the younger, as we've kind of already hit on, I guess that might be the best example more so than anything. Yeah. And, the, um, and again, they will be in like there is a, there's a certain group that really love Matt Luke. I mean, people even in the media that love him and, and are upset that he's gone. But uh, the thing about those kind of people, uh, they will be in on whoever the coach at Ole Miss is. If you wear a red and blue short sleeve jacket and it says Ole Miss on it, 
they will support you until you don't wear that anymore. So them being an influence, yes or no, on hires, and even it doesn't sound like they will be. I mean, again, you mentioned Keith's press conference was impressive. He said he will be conducting the search. He may use an advisor, but at the end of the day, it's all me. And based on how the search has gone with very little information with a, a candidate pool that's strong with, even though it seems to kind of have happened on the fly, it, it sure sounds like they've got a, a strategy in place that they're working with. It all seems to make sense. But if somebody were going to have influence on your decision, it cannot be those kind of people. With all due respect to them, I know they're important and programs need those lifers, but that's how you get Matt Luke. And that's not how you get Elaine Kiffin. As far as a coverage standpoint, I don't know any of these guys, and I don't know, like, I'm talking about, like, at any, on any level, personally, I don't know anything about, um, kind of how, I, I, I take that back. I know some about how they kind of interact with media. I, I don't know who I'd want to cover, which d- does not matter at all. This is me just being selfish and kind of thinking out of my own brain. But, uh, <laughs> Lane Kiffin, I feel like there would be very few dull moments. Ever. Like, to me, Lane Kiffin would kind of make a Tuesday Wednesday practice interesting. I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not even necessarily talking about it in a Mike Leach way, but just I, I don't know something about that guy. I would kind of be fascinated every time he stepped to a podium or stepped into a media scrum or whatever. And I don't really know. Well, I kind of know why, but like some just something about the guy that that would be fascinating to me. That whole tenure because it would just feel like it could have either like. He's either going to take this thing all the way to the top or this is going to combust at any possible second. Yeah, I see. My fear would be he wouldn't be all that open with you guys. I think that's certainly possible. But, I mean, he is strike me as very media charismatic. No, I, I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, he kind of is on the likes to poke fun of Saban with the rat poison stuff on Twitter. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would find that fascinating. As far as like who would be open, I don't know. Will Healy seems fairly open and somewhat honest. Um, that was one of the things for all of Matt's, um, you know, however you may feel about Matt Luke, that was uh, very refreshing that he was very open and honest. And I knew if he never, like he never once blew up on us. And like, I'm, I hate to sound like self-important with like, not like how coaches treat media they could do whatever the hell they want I'm not saying that but I I just he never blew up on us once in the 2017 season and I figured once that happened that he was going to be very easy to deal with that it was it was beyond uh it was even beyond what I thought like say what you want about him but he didn't really ever shy away from a whole lot a lot of times he'd give you answers that really didn't answer your question but he was honest and genuine and that's sometimes rare because this industry is kind of full of frauds yeah pretty much um so what now i don't know that's about 45 minutes of coaching search that's enough uh that's enough speculating without just reading i don't know hogville posts or something (laughs) um there was a uh there was a basketball game last night that i was at Ole miss lost to butler i can't even remember the final score now shit uh uh, 67 58 um Ole miss has now dropped three of four and they just closed out this four game stretch where the competition stiffened and they uh, they went one and three, and fr- quite frankly, they were very fortunate to go one and three. It kind of took a miraculous comeback against uh, Penn State to to not go zero and four. Um, I guess my first takeaway from that game is one: uh, Butler is really really good. I caught some of their game against Stanford last week during Feast Week. I say some of it. I, I watched actually most every bit of that, and then a little bit of their game. I can't remember off the top of my head who they're playing. But it was in the season's first week on Fox. Um, Kamar Robertson is is unbelievable. And Kermit got asked a question last night. You know, in a world, in a Big East conference, this has Marcus Howard and a couple other guys. He doesn't really get a whole lot of pub. But that kid is unbelievable. And that kid will probably have a shot to play in the league at some point. He's He was phenomenal. Dropped 31, uh, five rebounds, I believe, six assists, something like that. Zero turnovers. He just kind of the best player on the floor, and he took over the game, and there was really almost nothing could do. I was impressed with him. He was the one that made that game winner against Stanford last week. He was unbelievable. Um, Kermit said he uh, he uh, had the best right hand um, 
for a left-hander that he's ever seen in 38 years of coaching. Um, you know, he Kermit's played against him three times. They played in around the 32 game against him as a freshman when he was at uh, middle. Um, and then they, of course, they played him last year up at Butler. And Kermit couldn't say enough good things about him, but he's probably one of the more underrated players in the Big East. I think that Butler team will have a good shot at winning it. He was just kind of the best player of the game and took over, and there really wasn't whole much could whole a lot Ole Miss could do about it. On that same note, uh, this game really kind of brought back some early uh, or brought back some familiar issues for Ole Miss. There's a team that really struggles to uh, to score the basketball, and they defend well in stretches, but they don't defend well enough to uh, overcome their offensive shortcomings. K.J. Buffin, once again, got entangled with foul trouble. Devontae Shuler shot the ball poorly again. Brian Tyree was much better, but aside from that, I mean, it was, uh, I thought the story was just kind of the best player in the gym taking over the game. It will miss the same issues that I think are real, actual issues at this point, uh, just kind of rearing their head again. What do you attribute that to? Because, I mean, I see a lot of people, and I had to miss the first half because of the Connerly Trophy, and congrats to Kylan Hill. He certainly deserved it. By the way, this is hilarious. Completely not related to basketball, whatever. Uh, The release that was given to us from the Hall of Fame, you know, the ones that put the ceremony on along with ceasefire, the Mississippi College nominee, according to the release from the Hall of Fame, was a guy that started at quarterback and also defensive back. Dietrich King was his name. I think that was his last name. Dietrich something. And, of course, since, I mean, how often do we get to watch Mississippi college football? Uh, Not ever. So we just were going by what the Hall of Fame, again, the people putting on the ceremony, gave us on who this kid was. So we were talking about how cool that is, that they have a dual-sport athlete, guy that's playing quarterback, guy that's playing defensive back in college, and how unique that is and how awesome that is. Turns out that he has a twin brother on the team. And whoever put the release together for the Hall of Fame combined their stats. Dietrich and Derek are their names, so they look basically the same. And they put their stats together. So we spent 30 minutes on the show yesterday talking about how cool it was that Mississippi College has this dual sport athlete, and it's two separate guys. That seems like a bit of an issue. I don't think you can credit him for what his brother did. <laughs> and they both came to the ceremony, which also uh, throws a wrench into things. But uh, I did watch the, the second half, but starting games for Ole Miss, because I'm, I'm a big Pelicans fan, and, and last night they had a terrible shooting night. Lonzo Ball took over 10 threes. Like, it's a joke. But the problem is... It's not just they've got to make shots. And I saw a lot of that on Twitter and stuff for Ole Miss in the first half yesterday is, well, they're just missing shots. Well, the Pelicans miss shots too, but their shot selection is abysmal. That's why they miss shots. Not that they're just off one night. It's that they don't create good shots for each other. Is that going on here? Does Ole Miss struggle offensively because they're just missing shots right now? Or is it bad shot selection, uh, not good enough spacing, not creating What's, what is the issue, and why do they start slow? It's absolutely that, but probably slightly, I would say slightly less so last night alone. But it, to start this season, that is absolutely it. Their, their shot selection, I mean, kind of looking at you, Bree and Tyree, um, KJ Buffin, not necessarily as much, and Schuler, not really as much either, but Tyree and a couple other guys, shot selection, very bad. Um, at times, not to single out Tyree, it's, it's other guys as well, but just not as consistently uh, buffing and sure. But it's definitely that last night, Kermit, I mean, was asked pretty much point blank about that after the game. And he said, no, I thought in tonight we just missed open shots. He said, I'd be more worried about Devontae went two and nine from the field. Tyree was pretty good. I think he was 50% from the field on like 16 shots, four of eight from three, something like that. He was okay. But it, yeah, with, 22 regards, points, eight boards, had a couple of turnovers, eight of 16 from the field, four of eight from three. Yeah, with regards to Shuler Kermit last night, I was like, no, I, I think he just missed open shots last night. I'd be a lot more worried about him um, if, if he was taking a bunch of bad shots, but he, he's just not making them. And you just have to keep encouraging him to take good shots because you don't snap out of funks um, taking bad and tough shots. So last night he didn't think that was the case. That's definitely been the case through this stretch. But I mean, Bottom line is, the way this team's constructed, their guards need to score, and their guards need to not only score but distribute the ball well, which Shuler did okay last night, and elevate the guys around them. 
And that's not happening right now. I mean, Schuler has 25 points in his last five games. Like, that's just not really going to cut it. Tyree's been too inconsistent. You know, Henson will have a stretch where he'll make three, four, five shots, you know, four out of five shots, something like that, and then kind of go silent for two, three games. And, like, they got away with that last year. Because I had someone text me last night and say, this is frustrating because they're, they're yes, they missed TD, but they're only down one guy. It's like, well, it's not really that simple at all. Buffett and Henson are called into much bigger roles. Yeah. Um, you've got an entirely new front court. You know, the way this team's constructed, like Tyree's playing a different role. Like Tyree was pretty much just asked to score last year. Now he's kind of at, being asked to not necessarily distribute, but at least make guys better around him. But he's not doing that right now. It's not the same. And so, it, and right now it's not meshing. But yeah, I mean, look, they got a new front court. Buffin and Henson are going to be called into much bigger role or are called into much bigger roles. I thought Buffin's handled it well for the most part, aside from the foul trouble. Henson's still kind of easing his way back into basketball shape and all that. But I mean, it, it's, it's the, I've wrote about this last night. The offensive struggles are layered, but like, you know, they don't move the ball at times. They're a little bit softer around the room, but the overarching issue that, that is contributing to more all else is bottom line. The way this team's constructed, the backcourt has to score and produce it. That's just really not happening right now at, at a level, you know, needed enough to win games. Yeah, and Terrence Davis was just one guy, but basketball, just one guy can make a huge difference. I mean, outside of John Morant, who's now hurt, I mean, has there been a more impressive rookie? Especially a guy that went undrafted? I mean, the impact he's having for the NBA champions who are shockingly not at all uh, still good i mean that's that's more than just replacing a guy that's Ooh. replacing a guy that you've never really had before as a program as it turns out you didn't know that at the time but the impact he's having in toronto is something that you have not seen in that program in a long time maybe ever yeah and it's not just like t- I know it's 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 it is terrence davis but it's it's not to me. It's just not his twenty-two points on the stat sheet because he generated easy offense in transition. And I was trying to look up his assist numbers. I'm looking up right now. But for as big of as a wild card as he was right now, he was actually a pretty decent distributor of the basketball. And a lot of that had to do with the, sometimes his athleticism on defense had get into transition, and he saw the floor very well. He was one of the best transition players in the SEC. Like. He made other people, other people better around him as well. And so, aside from just the sheer twenty, you know, twenty, you know, fifteen, twenty points a game a night in the box score, they're kind of missing that energy and and him elevating other players. Like I, I don't think they're getting that as much right now. I still think I will say that this team is a loss or two away from in the non-conference slate from kind of being like, okay, what exactly is this team? Are they, are they actually going to fight for a tournament spot? But that being said, I think there's a chance they're, they're still fine. There's a lot of new pieces. They're going to benefit from this Christmas break to where all they're doing is practicing basketball and they have a lot more practice time and they're playing once a week and they can work on a lot of stuff. Cause as Kermit has mentioned a few times this year, the uh, Canada trips really helped that team last year. He loves to say they left a b- bunch of bad basketball in Canada. They didn't have that this year. And this team probably actually needed that maybe a little more than last year's team. You know, so I, I think they've I, got a I, bunch I mean, of wins in front of them as well with Cal State, Bakersfield, Middle Tennessee, and Selah and Tennessee Tech before they go to Wichita. So yeah, you would think they should be able to work out some of this stuff in that stretch. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the increased practice time is gonna help them immensely. I was looking up Terrence Davis is a four assist a game year a, a year guy last year like that's not world beating by any means but that's that's distributing the ball okay but point being especially when you're dropping 22 a game exactly and defending well in spots when he kind of wasn't a wild card and when he wasn't in foul trouble but uh yeah i mean i, I think they'll figure out and be fine you know new front court they've got a lot of new pieces and that being said Men- uh, memphis really good butler is really good oklahoma state really good you know, Penn State, pretty good, was getting votes in the top 25 when Ole Miss, uh, when Ole Miss played them. So that was a really tough stretch. And, yeah, they'd have liked to go 2-2. Two and two. Obviously, ideally, they would have liked to go 4-0. But you get my point. They would have liked to win another game in that stretch. But that stretch is not – they're not going to look back on that at the end of the season and see that as something that killed them. They just played competition and they weren't quite ready for it for the most part because, you know, they got kind of lucky against Penn State. Um, you know, Oklahoma State ran them out of the gym, and they could have beaten Memphis, but – I, last night, Butler was a much better team than they were last night. You know, um, 
Kamar Baldwin is uh, absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I, that was the most impressed I've been with a single player in a long time. He was uh, he was unbelievable, and Ole Miss really had no answer. I mean, the best player on the floor took over the game, and Butler is a much better team. That team will contend in the Big East this year. The Big East is absolutely stacked, but I don't see how you can't put that team against any other team in that team in that league, you know, Seton Hall included. So, you know, that's not a loss that's going to kill them, but they do have issues, and they, they need to they, – if they're not worked out by the end of December and they're still kind of playing this brand of basketball offensively, then they're actually probably going to be in some serious trouble. Yeah. At least the uh, beginning of the SEC slate is not near as difficult as you thought it might be. I actually, what, I, what, don't they start at A&M or something like yeah, that? Yeah, they go to A&M then have Arkansas at home, go to Florida, who's supposed to be really good. They haven't been yet. Yeah, that, that definitely helps because, like, you know, them going Kentucky, LSU, and then home against Auburn or something like that for the way this team's playing right now would be pretty brutal because A&M has looked rough. A&M lost to someone that you barely heard of in a Florida tournament the other night in Tampa. They're um, three and four right now under Buzz. They've lost to Gonzaga, which, whatever. They've lost to Harvard, Temple, and Fairfield or Fairfax? Fairfield. Fairfield. Fairfield Stag. is what I was thinking of. Fairfield um, was one in six going into that game. Yep. Buzz is going to get it going over there, but it's not going to be this year. This is always going to be a struggle for him. So, I don't know. Plenty of opportunities left for Ole Miss. They're, they're fine, but they, they do have some issues, and that, that backcourt has to score and produce better. And kind of name Tyree's been inconsistent, but Shuler's just really kind of been in a funk the last five games. He started the first three games of the year pretty well, scored double digits in all of them, passed the ball pretty well, didn't turn it over, but has really kind of struggled the last uh, – last four or five games so you know i mean one game that was a missed opportunity for a quality win for them but i I don't think that's going to end up being a stretch that kills them if they're kind of able to right the ship here as they end the the non-conference season but i don't know that team does have some problems so it'd be interesting to see how uh how they work it out so they've now lost three or four and they play rod barnes's squad on saturday i believe it's first time rod has been back i don't know about him personally but definitely the first time rod has coached in oxford since he left the uh the uh, Tadpat. So maybe they'll hand out free asbestos or something to commemorate the uh, <laughs> the, the building or something. Um, they are honoring him. Like the promotion is like a Rod Barnes remembering day or something. They should. He is a good man and a good coach. And, you know, the Tadpat wasn't as outdated, I guess, when he coached. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the Taj Mahal or anything like that. But he was a good guy and a good coach. He'll probably get a nice reception. I mean, he was, he was remembered. Remembered fondly here from the most part from uh, what I remember from my ages like five to nine years old days. So um, that's about all I had on hoops. Unless you got any other thoughts. We'd, uh, we do. We don't have college games for the LB's pick this week, but we do have one pick we got to make today because it's the Thursday night football game, which is a great one, um, in my opinion, just because two teams are really, really badly have to have a win. So let me make sure no college. So we only have two games of the LB's pick and then we'll get into the meat of the LB's pick them on Friday. I may have Greg on, um, or I may just get his picks depending on what his schedule is like that. So, um, you know, Greg smoked me in college, not to make a pun on meat, but has just absolutely destroyed us since he's joined in this pick them. We actually have listeners that take Greg's picks and uh, take them, take them to the bank. I, I think the, the play here is to fade has been to fade both me and Colin and then go with Greg. Um, so I, let's see if you fare better. We've got, Chicago at home is a three-point underdog against uh, the Cowboys on Thursday. I love this game because this is a game with a lot of tension and both teams really need to win this. This is going to be fun, in my opinion. It's going to be ugly, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, winner goes home. And uh, see, I'm leaning Dallas here, even though they're in a world of hurt. Chicago has won three of their last four, and those wins came against Detroit, the Giants, and then Detroit again. And they have a loss to the Rams in there where they scored seven total points. So even though the Cowboys are in a world of hurt, I think the Bears are equally as hurt, and the Cowboys are a more talented team. So I'll take the three points, even though it's on the road. I, I can't get a feel for this. Because I agree with everything you just said. The Cowboys definitely better team. If this team's neutral field or playing in Dallas, I'm hammering that I'm hitting the Cowboys 100 times out of 100. But, like, Something about Dak against the Bears' defense. It's not necessarily Dak because he hasn't been the problem, but just everything else around him. I'm going to go Bears, and I don't really know why. I don't feel good about that. So go to Vegas with uh, and, and take the Cowboys if you're listening to this. Um, 
we got a ton of picks to make on Friday through the weekend. We'll hit all the conference championship games. We will hit all of the NFL, the rest of the NFL games. We normally, uh, I guess this is kind of the first time the college football season's ending. We don't have any Thursday night college football, no action. It's, uh, we're kind of, we're still in kind of like the peak of the college, I, the peak of the football watching slate in terms of like the American calendar, but it's, it's kind of winding down. This is, I guess the start of the wind down, is it not? Yeah. I mean, it's over basically. Uh, thank God for the NFL because college football is, I mean, it's done after this weekend for a month. Yeah. This is my favorite part though. Hot take here. It's like, I like watching the college football regular season as much crap as I like to give the way the sport's structured. But to me, Conference championship into bowl season into the end of the NFL season to NFL playoffs is the best time of the year because for whatever reason the all of the games just seem to be awesome even well, the crappy they're bowl better. games in so, December. You have uh, there's no more bullshit Alabama Western Carolina like every game now from here on out is between teams that are competent. Yeah, no, you're you're 100 percent right, and I don't care what anyone tells you. Nothing compares the NFL playoffs. The NFL playoffs deliver every single year, and there it's going to be awesome. So we're on the wind down, but it's just the beginning of the wind down. So we still got a while to enjoy it. Um, unless you got anything else, I'm going to get out of here. We'll be back out on Friday. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, well. Uh, Mailbag Friday returns on Friday. It is the people's holiday. Send your questions to me or Borky. Tweet them, text them. Uh, email them however you want to get us your questions we will have mailbag friday on friday uh one more time podcast brought to you by lbs go see greg university avenue we're getting greg's picks on friday greg the uh the uh self-proclaimed actually not self-proclaimed i have dubbed him the meat sharp um university avenue across from kroger best place in oxford to get meat he's got custom cuts daily specials uh plate lunches you can go grab something for lunch and then decide what you want to get for dinner seafood, all kinds of stuff. Best place in Mississippi to get meat. We appreciate Greg sponsoring the show, and he's going to make you some money on Friday. So for Michael Borky, I am Brian Scott Rippey. We'll be back at it on Friday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.